Throw, you blasted What's up, monkey lovers, and welcome to episode two of No Gods, No Monsters. And in this case, I feel comfortable speaking for both of us when I say, no kings. I am Rabbit, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, uh, who, for the purposes of this episode, I'll refer to as American Podcaster. (laughs) Today, we're talking about Son of Kong, the 1933 sequel to King Kong. Uh, Before we dive into this movie, I want to ask Charlie... Why is it Son of Kong? Why isn't it Prince Kong? That's a good question. Uh, I yeah. have a theory, but I, I want to know what your thoughts are. I, well, there could be another older son, and that's the actual crown prince. So this is just a son. This useless oh. little bastard. Yeah, in fact, that's a good answer. I'll go with it. He is not the crown prince. He, oh, wait, you're still a prince, even if you're not the crown prince. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry i don't know much about monarchy because i just hate it all all my icebreaker questions are about monarchy sorry <laughs> well, well he should have his head cut off because you're right he's a prince so my theory is that he has rejected his title of prince you know you know peter kropotkin the uh quote-unquote like father of anarcho-communism i've met him so so, so 1800s in Russia, he was born into nobility as a prince, and at the age of 12, because he felt for the plight of the workers and the peasants and felt that the hierarchies were wrong, he denounced his princeship at the age of 12, which is pretty fucking badass. So... My in my head canon, that's what Son of Kong did. He's just way more based and egalitarian than the original Kong, which I feel like kind of fits with this movie. Maybe I don't think the uh, anti-communist creators of this series share your sentiments there. Also, one major flaw is Kropotkin's a pretty cool dude. This Son of Kong is pretty not cool. What? What? He's kind of okay. Lame. <laughs> I guess we'll dive into that eventually, and I. I may or may not bring this thread back into our lives throughout the discussion. So, Son of Kong, I think that there's a chance that some of our listeners haven't seen this less well-known entry into the King Kong series. Do you want to give us a breakdown of what happens in this movie? Spoiler alert! Spoilers ahead! The Great Pyramid of Giza. The (laughs) Col... The Colossus of Rhodes, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Mausoleum of Holocarnassus, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, the Temple of Artemis, Giant Fucking Ape, and the Ninth Wonder of the World, Smaller but Still Pretty Large Fucking Ape. In 1933, public nuisance slash giant monkey killer Carl Denham is hounded by lawsuits and the government for the Kongtastrophe that took place in the previous movie. Teaming up with Charlie and Captain Englehorn, the three flee the country via ship looking to start a new life on the seas. 
While transporting cargo to an island, they meet up with Hellstrom, the captain who originally tipped Denim off to the existence of Skull Island, and Hilda, a singer of an awesome monkey and seal show whose father is murdered by Hellstrom. Seeking to flee justice, Hellstrom convinces Denim that there is treasure to be had on Skull Island, and so our cast sets sail. As they approach the island, the ship's crew stages a glorious proletariat mutiny against the bosses who would so easily expend their lives in search of profits. Abandoned on the island, the group discovers some adolescent Kong come stuck in quicksand. After saving him from the quicksand, the kid Kong immediately imprints himself onto Denham and Hilda and becomes their protector as they try to survive for the night. Come morning, Denham continues his search for profit, and as either luck or bad screenwriting would have it, they immediately happen upon the spot where the treasure is. After taking said treasure, while Kid Kong fights off prehistoric beasts, the island falls apart out of nowhere, and every glorious creature and native on the island drowns and dies a horrible death. The End Directed by Ernest B. Shosak, special effects by Willis O'Brien, with Victor Wong as Chinese cook, who I can't quote for fear of being prosecuted for hate crimes. Ed Brady as Red, the leader of the Glorious Workers' Revolution, stating the true facts like, Because you pay us your dirty money, you think you own us. You sweat and drive us, but you don't give us a living wage for our blood and sweat. You think you own us, body and soul. John Marston as Hellstrom, who tries to become the new captain and immediately gets owned. Helen Mack as Hilda Peterson, who shows absolutely no fear the first time she sees an abnormally giant gorilla, or really any other abnormally giant prehistoric creature. Kiko as the titular Son of Kong, and Robert Armstrong as Carl Denham, who calls the Son of Kong a fatso and a big rummy. Brought to us by the National Rifle Association, it's Son of Kong. Okay, first question. Is it really the National Rifle Association? Because it does say NRA. I assumed it was actually, like, the National Radio Archive or something. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Yeah, that did kind of confuse me, because as far as I know, at this point, the NRA was just, like, a rifle safety organization. They weren't, like, really political or anything. They were just about safety and gun ownership. Um, Interesting. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I did just assume it was the NRA we all know and love. <laughs> Man, that'd be cool if, like, in, like, I don't know, five or ten years, the next Kong movie is, is like, a production of the Socialist Rifle Association. Uh, <laughs> I thought you going be... bankrupt and shit. I thought you were going to say it'd be cool if it was if the next Kong movie was produced by the NRA again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not. Um, unless it had Charlton Heston's corpse in it. Okay, <laughs> second question. Hilde Peterson... I have her written at, in my mind. She's Lady Helene. Uh, Where did I get yeah. that? So that's what her official casting is. Um, and that's what they introduce her as on the stage. But, or no, no. I mean, Hilda is what her official oh. casting is, but they never refer to her that in the movie. Okay. They uh, refer to her as La Belle Helene in the show. And then uh, Denim always refers to her as Kid. And they okay. never use her actual name but that's what her official cast name is same with uh the son of kong apparently on the set they're calling him as kiko but in the actual movie they just refer to him as like baby kong and son of kong okay i'm gonna call him kikapotkin um <laughs> no he's not <laughs> fucking cool like kropotkin <laughs> we'll see bro we'll see what happens also i gotta say like just right off the bat that lady helene or hilda or whatever her name is was such a just another version of the 
kind of the character from the first one, like the only female character, that I had Anne written in my notes the entire time mm. and had to find and replace it with Helene because, I don't know, they like never say her name, so I just, in my head, her name was Anne for I, I saw her as like the exact opposite as Interesting. from Anne because she she does not scream at all, which is true. 90% of Anne's lines in the first one. And then she has more agency, I guess, behind her decisions, where she's more of a driving force behind her own actions. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, she's a very different character. I guess it's just she's the one lady character who's following around the men. And and even though she decides to come on the ship, she's at their whim and all this shit and then, like, falls in love for reasons that don't make any sense to me at all. And so I I guess I just have... I feel like there's parallels. I love the part where... uh... When they first land on the island, um, Carl Denham like tells her like stick close to me, and then he starts climbing like the the rock wall, and she follows him, and he's like, "What are you doing following me?" And she's like, "You told me to stick to you," and he goes, "Ah, good, you obey orders." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we go into specifics, general thoughts and feelings about Son of Kong. Ah, uh, this movie sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's, it tries, I mean, like, I kind of get it. So apparently Cooper went to the studio asking to make a sequel and they told him, you can make a sequel, but we're going to give you, I forgot it was either half of the budget of the first one or maybe a third of the budget. I've uh, heard it was half or that's in my, in rattling around in my head is half. Yeah, that's what I have written down. But then I think I also heard somewhere a third, but yeah, whatever. In any case, you know, of small budget and also that it needed to be put out by the end of the year. So they had to rush something out. Apparently the script writer, Ruth Rose, she decided that if they weren't going to have the uh, budget and time to really make a true sequel, then they, she would just take it into another direction and make it a less serious film. I also heard that she was saying like, there's no way to top the effects of the first. So we have to do something else. So like comedy will be what we do, which they try for like the first five minutes of the film maybe and then it's over i mean there's some comedy in like with the son of kong he is he's supposed to be like a comedic character yeah sure yeah it's just the comedy in this just does not go well and i'm not someone who's like oh they didn't make good comedy until the 90s like i watch comedies from this period and i think some of them can stand up with whatever comedy is put out today i mean you put on like duck soup or something that's just one of the greatest comedic films of all time the comedy in this is just not done well there's one funny line to me and it's like i guess there's not even one funny line but there's one line that i think of as the funniest line and it's at like a 40 percent, and that's the like that's not how you catch a monkey oh yeah that's yeah that's no, the that only line where i'm like ah ah yeah i see what you did there no totally that got a chuckle but overall yeah, yeah that it's just uh I think a lot of what they're trying for just does not come through. And then, like, the good parts, once again, are, like, the effects. But because there's such a low budget and such a rush production, it's just the effects are not as good as last time. Uh, the Son of Kong is just not as fun of a character as King Kong. And I don't want to see the Son of Kong protecting this fucking monster yeah. who led to his father's death. Like, that sucks. Yeah yeah totally. and he ends up dying for him fuck that i mean he would have died anyways but still fuck that yeah for sure one of the really interesting things about this film that shows to me how little it was like thought out i guess 
and we talked about this a little in the last episode, but even more when I just think about this film is that like they were clearly right off the bat trying to, for whatever reason, to correct some of the oversights and meaning and morals of the last film, right? They start off right away with Denim facing mild consequences compared to what he did, but something and like feeling a little bit of remorse and like, it's not nearly enough, but it's showing that they're, it's, it's a quick pivot, right? But Mm -hmm. somehow by the end of the story, it's even less of a moral than the first one. Like the first one has all these oversights, but at least it is like, oh yeah, we shouldn't take nature and try to control it and civilization is is cruel to nature and like like whatever all these things but in this one it's like denim feels bad but not only does he not face consequences this time he's saved by caught like it's like they forget (laughs) it they just totally let it go and i just don't get it um and then at the end only just kind of like rub some more salt in the wound he's like i wonder if kong knew that he was saving me it's like yes you dumb fuck that's he, he was yeah. holding you above the water to fucking save you. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, and there's the, the weird thing where um Hilda says, like, who knows what animals are thinking? There's no way for us to know. And then, like, ten minutes later, he's she's like, of course he knew he was saving you. Yeah. Like, and it's just, like, I don't know. It's just so confusing. But, yeah, I mean, in general with this movie, like, it's not as bad as I thought it would be in that, like, as a movie, it's a pretty quick ride again. The pacing is pretty quick, just like the other one. It's it's not, like, dull. It's entertaining. I don't know. It's not, like, horrible, but it just it doesn't work for me in the King Kong legacy. Like, I don't want it to have gone this direction. It's kind of boring. There's nothing that's... There's no highs that are as high as the first, not even close. And basically, I love one scene that I think was supposed to be negative and I view as positive, but we'll get to. And the rest of it is like, meh, you know? Yeah, I halfway agree. The part I disagree with is uh, I don't think the pacing was the same as King Kong. It felt, even though it was shorter, it felt slower. I feel like the first 70% of it is just besides, uh, besides maybe the one scene that I hope you're talking about. Yeah, it's just kind of boring it's just very talky which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's just these were not i don't think these were uh creators who knew how to deliver talky stuff like yeah these were, totally yeah these were people who knew how to deliver action <laughs> i guess i just mean yeah i don't think the pacing is the same as the first one but i think it's comparable i guess mm-hmm. uh do you want to move on to going into the monsters and the effects let's do it baby All right. So my first question is, do the poor, cute little monkeys count as monsters and effects? The ones who are part of the stage production? Well, they definitely don't count as monsters. Do they count as effects? I can see that. I mean, (laughs) are you down to talk about them first? Does that work? Yeah. Is that the scene you were talking about? No, no. The scene I was talking about was the proletariat uprising. Oh, that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought you were talking about the uh, monkey musicians. (laughs) <laughs> okay, yeah, so they go to, what's the name of the island? It's like Dekang? Yeah, yeah Dekang, which I remember because um, I was like, oh, like Dekang Kong. Oh, I see. Yeah. 1,753 miles from Skull Island. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they go to, they go to Dekang and they're like, let's watch a show. And it's just like four monkeys. Pl- who thought of this shit? It's four <laughs> monkeys playing instruments. 
I feel terrible for these poor monkey actors. I'm sure they were treated like shit. <laughs> and there's no rhythm, of course. It's just like bang, 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 bang. There's the fucking violin monkey who obviously steals the show. But they're playing the darkest music. It's so dark. Like, it's so sad. Yeah, scene rules. It rules, but it's just like... <laughs> like it's so intense. And I love how uh, uh, Denim and um, Charlie are like the only two who are enjoying it. And everyone else is just like, oh, this sucks. And then you see Charlie just like clapping like ah <laughs> and like it's presented like the audience is supposed to agree with all the people that think it sucks but i'm like this is like one of the best parts of the movie i love watching these monkeys jam out in fact i think the only the only bad part about that part about that scene was that uh the sign outside talks about the sagacious seals and we didn't get to see the sagacious seals and we do see them later we do see the seals but we don't see their performance yeah which i was gonna ask like so we see the seals, which I actually didn't notice the sign. So I was like, how did they never mention seals? She just frees seals while her house is burning down. But yeah, like, what would the seals do? I mean, I guess they weren't seals. They were... Se- Wait, it said seals? Because those were yeah, sea lions. It says, it says sagacious seals. Damn, those were for sure sea lions. I've never been to the beach, so I don't know what the difference is. Um, sea lions are like I... lions in that they, like, walk with, like, four things whereas like with their flippers whereas seals like scoot on their bellies because they don't have big flippers that act like limbs and also sea lions bark seals don't anyway i went to the beach once (laughs) yeah the dark ass music and the violin monkey like i don't know what to say it's just so fucking weird and dark and like all the room is packed like who are these people why are they and it's packed with people that are just staring dead-eyed at it and you think that like this isn't like a touring show this is a right it's like a show that's always there but it's it's also like it's at a port so i guess you could assume there's new people uh, flowing in all the time that's my only guess as to how it makes any sense this isn't a creature monster thing but since we're on this scene uh and you're talking about how bad it is i think it's really funny that when uh the lady helene or, or hilda or whatever comes on to play and she's not quite as bad as the monkeys but pretty much that the the main characters talk about how bad she is <laughs> and then the people who made the movie have us listen to the whole song anyway <laughs> what why are you making us listen to this whole boring song that the early on they're like ah oh, her voice is really bad and then we just have to sit there <laughs> Gotta fill up that time, baby. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) You got anything else about monkeys? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I like them. I like monkeys. Uh, We never talked about the monkey in the first movie. I was also a good monkey. Although, if you played an instrument. At least I don't think we talked about it. I don't fully remember that recording. No, we we did not. Do you think that, considering that there's the uh, perspective of the workers given to us soon and their, their exploitation by capitalists, do you think that these monkeys were supposed to be foreshadowing Give it, instilling in us as the audience the plight of the worker and how we're treated as animals given a tiny violin? Once again, these movies were created by two people who voluntarily went to fight in the Polish First Soviet Wars because they are very anti-communist. So... I'm gonna, and also they seem to be two people with not much subtlety to their to them. So I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wrong. think those, those monkeys weren't very subtle in how exploited they were. But uh, 
Agree to disagree. No, I totally agree with you. I think that's just like what, uh, for me, it's hard not to connect those things. Just like the first King Kong, it's like, if they wanted to make a movie that was anti their messaging, they did it. They just didn't know they did it. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. All right. Well, should we just talk about the actual son of Kong? The fucking chest beating motherfucker? Does he even beat his chest in this? I don't know, man. They all beat their chests. I... (laughs) I know, that seems like a harmful stereotype. Um, <laughs> You're right. Sorry. Not all gorilla things, gorilla-esque monsters beat their chest. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, that was one of the, I love that in the first one when, when King Kong like wins a fight and he just like looks around, just fucking beats his chest. He's like, yeah, I'm the Chad here. What are you going to do about it? Right. Um, even though at heart, he's actually just an incel, not really a Chad. But totally. uh, yeah, Sonic Kong... I don't think he beats his chest because, I mean, we're talking about a character that's so weak. When he fights a bear, he doesn't even go in for the kill and he lets the bear run away. What a fucking loser. That is true. That is true. So, design wise, what do you think of Son of Kong? He's fine. He's just King Kong with white fur, right? Yeah, he's just a smaller albino King Kong. Um, Yeah, I mean, he looks good. He looks cool. And I know you said the effects weren't as good, and I think at times you're right, but there's some fights with this Kong. Folks I watched it with my roommates, they felt like it was smoother, like they weren't quite as choppy. I wasn't totally sold on that, but I was curious what you thought. Yeah, I definitely didn't think that. All right, so I don't know. What, what do you have? To, I have some notes, but what do you have to say about this Kong besides uh, what said already? He's a fucking fail son, and not like a fail son like me who's cool and charismatic he's just a failure in life this is a fail son like he's a fucking loser like he's an absolute disappointment (laughs) he he spends the movie protecting the person who killed his father how i mean come on how would he know that maybe he's oh what kongs are stupid is that what you're trying to say kongs are stupid no i'm just saying like if he's not giving the information that this man killed his father Maybe, like, if that's taken out, let's say he doesn't know that, at least he's not just, like, kidnapping people and shit. He's just, like, trying to trying to vibe again, trying to be a goofy Kong, like we said his dad was, but without stealing women. Hey, those women were given to him. He did not steal those women. They were given to him. Fine. I don't... They were given to him by people who didn't have the any right to give them to their, that's true that's true i'm property, just saying charlie <laughs> i'm just saying as far as that kong knew these women were these people were given to him and as far um, as this kong knows this is just some creature that he's running across and he just wants to play with them i think at some point carl tells him i let you, i'm the one that's responsible for your father's death so oh i didn't uh, realize that the kong spoke english <laughs> The Kongs who've lived on a deserted island that no white man has ever visited before. Learn the language. It's true. Which also, I mean, um, takes, takes a little bit away from Denim's confession if he has no idea what he's fucking saying. That's true. I also like in those scenes how Hilda doesn't know anything about this history about King Kong or anything. In this entire time, she just learns about it through carl like confessing to the son of kong yeah and she's just like she's never like wait what she's just like (laughs) okay (laughs) that's true that's true 
But yeah, overall, I just, he's a lame character. I don't know. Like, I get what you're saying. Oh, he's, he's a friendly Kong. Don't you like friendly Kong? It's like, no, friendly Kongs are boring. Sorry. Yeah. I don't want to see a Kong who's just protecting this asshole. Like, yeah. I don't want to, and who's, who's, his, he's like supposed to be a comedic character where he's like, oh, I'm going to play with this gun and almost blow my brains out. Like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Or like yeah. when he's fighting the bear and he like conks his head and there's like a close up of his face going, oh. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like it felt like there should be like Saturday morning cartoon effects on all of yeah. them. And the first scene where they see Kong and they're like, we got to help him. Like I was just immediately taken out. Like it's so, it was just like really, like it's so fake and stupid. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't, this movie doesn't feel like they went back to Skull Island. It feels like the characters went back to the set of King Kong and like fucked around. It, it just, it, it feels like there's no actual danger or stakes because yeah. they're just like, oh, it's a funny, th-. like, yeah. Yeah. And Kongi back in on that, uh, what you said about them being like, oh, let's help him. Once again, that was like Hilda who just. She's yeah. never been to Skull Island. She has never even heard about King Kong. And all of a sudden, she sees this baby Kong. She's like, oh, let's just help him. And she's not like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, Yes, I agree. That's ridiculous. Maybe it's because of her attachment to the monkeys that she did pr- uh, prioritize during a fire. She she clearly yeah. loves primates. <laughs> okay? It's the only credit I'll give. Um, okay. Things that I do like about Goofy Kong, Prince Kong, I do like that in multiple fights, this Prince Kong punches the shit out of faces. He's really into punching faces. His dad was into the jaw thing, ripping jaws. This one's into punching faces. And like, come on, that's pretty cool. I did like, uh, after he killed the, um, the, whatever the creature was in the cave, uh, when they're at the temple. The weird treasure dragon? Yeah, I like that when after he killed him, he did. He was like his father, and he kind of like played with his head for a little bit. Yeah, um, that's good. To like see if he was dead. He's uh, like, I can renounce my princely title, but I will never renounce my father's <laughs> corpse playing ways. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he like uh, Denim says he's a good scrapper. He he's a good scrapper. He uh, it's true. But I was disappointed in the way he just, like, lets the cave bear run away. Um, and, come on, going for the kill. This is, this is, uh, your dad killed all, everything that fucked with him. You go in this, for that kill. You kill I'm, that cave I'm, bear. This is what I'm saying, though. Like, I feel like there's some Kropotkin shit going I, on, bro. I know. Grizzly bears are endangered. Oh, my God. His it's not a grizzly like, bear. His father's all, like... Darwin, survival of the fittest, I'm the alpha of the island. And his son's like, but mutual aid is a factor of evolution, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, Is that what Kropotkin sounded like? No, that's that's what Goofy Kong sounds like quoting Kropotkin. Okay. <laughs> I might be projecting a little bit. Just a tiny yeah, Just bit. a little bit. Okay, question for you. Very important question. Original Kong, way too horny. That's his biggest flaw, right? Yeah. And being horny is not a problem, but being horny no. in the incel way is a problem, right? Exactly. Like breaking um, consent and boundaries is a problem. Yeah, and like being demeaning and disrespectful to women and their rights, it's just no. This Kong clearly has better boundaries, right? When Helene and Denim are sitting at the fire, 
this one's not super into consent. Like, he's looking around the corner and, like, peeking at them. <laughs> but he's not going in there. It's better. But he seems like he might be just as horny. He's just better at repressing the, like, bad things that come out of that. Well, we're all supposed to assume he's he's adolescent. So I'm not assuming that. Well, I said we're supposed to. I don't care whether or not you assume it. Why are we supposed to assume that? <laughs> I don't know, because he's the son of Kong, and he's, like, half the size. Is he half the size? Yeah. Okay. He's a lot All smaller. Right. All right. Sure. Which, by the way, like, you didn't know that he was smaller? He's smaller. I just don't think of him as half the size. Like, the original one was supposed to be, I think, 30 feet. This one feels like he's more like 15 to 20. I, I just, part of me, I guess, thinks that that's a budget thing, and we're supposed to just imagine him bigger. But they call him the son of Kong. That implies that he's younger, and they call him no, baby Kong. No, I'm the son of my dad. I'm in my 30s. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, and younger, you're like that doesn't a mean third of his size. No, I'm not taller than... Okay. Okay, so this is... We have a weird, different perspective on this, because the entire time, I saw him as, like, half the size of the regular Kong. No, no, and he, I was, he, he could be and half And I was size. like, I thought it was funny, because everything on this part of the island where they're at is, like, the size of this baby Kong. <laughs> well so everything funny, on right. the other side of the island was the size of the the adult kong so I'm like is this just like the side of the island for babies like is this where <laughs> you would live if you were on this island that's so funny dude oh man i didn't even think of that yeah <laughs> um i guess it, this this film just felt like such a throwaway i wasn't thinking yeah. like that i was just like oh that's the side the size they made him and the other things are going after him but yeah <laughs> if so i would worry about the population of this island because in the original kong fights like six beasts and in this one on the baby side he fights like three so there's there's less babies than adults which means hey well spoiler it doesn't matter because they all fucking die at the end of this <laughs> true it's true i got i got nothing else about kong the Breaking the gun and putting it in his mouth was a very what the fuck moment. <laughs> that was another moment that made me laugh. It's like what? And I was like, it'd be really funny if the gun, like, actually, if they actually had like the gun go off while he's holding it. Uh, okay, what about the other creatures? I think there are three other creatures that aren't uh, sea lions or violin playing monkeys. The triceratops. It's not a triceratops. Yeah, there was. You're talking about the one that attacked the the other three? Yeah, what would you call it? It's not a Triceratops. I don't remember what the name is. Triceratops don't have to have the three things. They're they're all Triceratops now. Oh, now you're a dino expert? I mean, I've been watching all the Jurassic Parks recently, so... It is a Styracosaurus. Um, okay, the Styracosaurus... Everybody knows what that is, so they'll know what part I'm talking about. What did you think of the Styracosaurus? I don't know. Maybe it's a Triceratops, but that's what it's officially. Uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. Like, it was a cool design, and then it was given nothing interesting to do. Yeah. Like, they went into a crack, and it ran after them, and it was like, well, we know they're not going to kill. Like, in the first movie, there were so many people. It was like, oh, people might die. This one's like, it's not going to kill, like, two-thirds of the cast. <laughs> so then we just know it ran toward a hole, and that's the whole thing. Like, come on. Why? That would be a baller move if it did. It that did would have been him. a baller move. Although, yeah. I would be sad for Charlie. True, true, true. What about the giant bear? I mean, it looked fine. It was fine. It's just not that fun of a creature, I guess. It's just like it's we just have a all bear. these. Yeah, it's just a big bear. Um, 
Like, why? You you have so few creatures. Why just choose a bear? Like, bears I know. are cool, but, like, it's just a big bear. Exactly. It's just, like, I mean, I, and I know that there were big-ass bears, um, but still, there were other yeah. big-ass lizards, <laughs> and those are cooler. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. Like, like, we were saying the first one, like, my I liked the cre- I liked the dinosaurs in the first one, but I, I really liked when they did creative new designs. Yeah, totally. The only new creative design that's, I'm not saying it's especially creative, but that's not just like from a paleontology or a National Geographic fucking book is the like weird lizard dragon. And it's just boring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did think the best fight of the movie was the giant bear versus Kong, but that's not saying much. No, that was uh, definitely seen as like the centerpiece fight. That was definitely supposed to be like the, uh, the analog of the, uh, t-rex versus kong fight in the from the first one is yeah supposed to be the centerpiece fight but yeah it's just the bear wasn't exciting you know there were some they did put in some wrestling moves and some face punches which were nice but then they also interject the comedy like we said before where he conks his head against the wall and does like a close-up of his face and like boing yeah yeah, yeah. like there's a part where like the bear has him on the ground and then he crawls through the bear's legs and the bear doesn't notice that he <laughs> crawled through his legs like a fucking cartoon. <laughs> like, and like, just... I just like, at least in the original, when he's fighting the T-Rex and stuff, there's like a sense of danger. Cause like, like he's fighting the T-Rex because it's a T-Rex and it's there and they're fighting each other, whatever. But in the background, we know like, Oh, this, this Kong wants to take. And like, there's a set of, of fear of like, Man, no matter who wins, the T Rex will like eat Kong, uh, eat Anne, or Kong will take Anne. But in this, there's just not like I have no idea what Kong wants ever in this movie. Yeah, until the very, very end, which is to help like a th- a motivation I don't like. So it's just like, why are you protecting these two people? Like I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, because they helped him out of quicksand. So oh, I go. guess Answer okay. That for you. There's that. Yeah, weird lizard dragon. Uh, is that the one in the cave? Um, yeah, I thought he was he was neat. Um, nothing really special. I like the shot. I think it's funny because all of a sudden they're at like this temple where the treasure is, and all of a sudden this dragon thing just makes a streamline. Like you see him just like run up to the temple and then like run through the cave, and it's just like how what what (laughs) yeah he just like rushes like straight towards them from like far off and there's it's very weird like it would make more sense if he was like in the cave already and just like he sees them but he somehow knew that they were there and just fucking rushes to him but i thought it was a cool shot when you first see him entering the cave and like you see him like coming towards the camera that was a pretty neat overall yeah it was I, i thought he was fine he was cool looking i don't know why i really didn't like his design it just felt very fake to me like i don't there's especially in contrast with like every animal in it looks so natural that the ones that they made themselves not looking like anatomically like pot like it just kind of looks like they put a head on a body there's just Mm. something about it that just feels not it's not like it's new but possible it just doesn't i don't know it just looked faker than the other ones but I did think that the fight was pretty cool. I really liked going, the, he just punches him in the head a lot. It's kind of cool. I don't know. I thought the fight was yeah. good. And I liked, yeah. I liked the danger he presented to some of the cast, unlike the Triceratops, which it didn't feel real. But yeah, I don't know. I was very underwhelmed by most I, of the creatures in this. Yeah, me too. Like I said, it was neat also. And 
Kong plays with his head after he kills him. Yeah. And at least he actually kills him as opposed to like the bear fight. Uh, though we don't get like the blood rushing out like we had with the T-Rex. I mean, I feel like uh, Kiko, is that his name? Yeah. I felt like Kiko kept the bear alive for grandson of Kong. You have to have a arch nemesis in the well, underwater finale. Spoil- yeah, spoiler, there's no grandson. <laughs> hey, there could already be a grandson, bro. We That's true, but spoiler, the grandson's life is not much longer. That's <laughs> true. It's true. The creature in the um the the water serpent that attacks Hellstrom. Oh, that's what I was thinking of posing a danger. I was thinking yeah. Okay. Forget what I said about the weird lizard dragon. I have nothing good to say about him other than how he gets his ass beat. Uh yeah, what did you think of the drag the water serpent thing? Uh he was overall he was my favorite. Yeah, he just fucking eats this piece of shit and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was he's barely in the in it at all, so I wish there was some more with him. But it was he was cool looking and he just murks this dude and chomps him up. If I remember correctly, I feel like there were basically two scenes in this movie that used the like camera technique that's in the first one a lot. It's the same camera technique ish of when they're walking past the downed stegosaurus in the first one where there's basically like the actors in the foreground and then the screen behind them. Yeah. And in, this, in this one, I feel like the first one was when they were kind of like paddling into the cave, which like looks kind of fake. It always looks a little off, but I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and then I think they use that again for this with Hellstrom. And I, I feel like I really liked it here. Like it really worked here. It gave a sense of scale and danger. It's, uh, it's called rear projection. Yeah. That's, that's always like the, one of the effects from back then that doesn't really hold up to hold up as well to me, but you know, I recognize when it's done better than other times. Uh, there's a lot of times in older movies when it's used for driving where it looks really yeah. crappy. Um, yeah. Especially because but, they're holding the steering wheel and just going left and right, left and right, left and yeah. right <laughs> while they go straight. Hitchcock? Yeah, I, I think they used it well in, in this. Um... Totally. Okay, human stuff. First thing I want to bring up is just fuck these people, man. Why did they call Charlie the Chinese cook in the <laughs> Charlie's played by Victor Wong. He's like, he is a Chinese cook. But like, every other character in the intro has their name displayed below them and for charlie whose name stuck in the first movie like we knew his name it stuck with me and then in this one it's just like chinese cook like what the fuck i mean he's just supposed to be a chinese stereotype for comedic relief so yeah his name doesn't matter as much i guess i don't know for sure um yeah it was interesting that in this one he's just kind of an errand boy yeah He's not a cook most of the time. He's like in the beginning, he's helping Denim with his like staying discreet and stuff. Like I don't know, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. In the beginning, he delivers like a a message from Captain Englehorn that he wants to talk to Denim, and apparently he's had a job just cooking for Englehorn. Um, who, by the, the way, in the first movie they referred to as the Skipper. But in this one, they didn't put the skipper below his name, below his face. They put <laughs> Captain Englehorn. Like, this guy who you've known by his title this whole time, we're going to put his yeah. name. This guy who you've known by his name, we're going to put by his title because he's not white. Also, as a, also he's a boring as shit character. 
when I listed off the cast, both in this and the first one, I admitted it to him because I was like, yeah, there's nothing interesting to say about him. There's like no good quote from him. There's nothing. Yeah. He did. He's just kind of a boring character. I think mostly, yeah. And the first one, the only memorable thing to me is Anne saying, the skipper seems really swell, doesn't he? He's so <laughs> nice to me or something. And in this one, it was like they tried to make him interesting for a second where in the moment where they get to decaying and Denim's like, how far is it to Skull Island? He's like 1,753 miles. And it's like, oh, this guy's like been thinking about it. And like, yeah. In this one, he's like, let's fucking flee the law. Like, yeah, I'll use all my savings. Like, that was interesting, but then it just goes nowhere. Yeah, when they brought up, when when Carl asked him, like, how far away is Kong Island, he knew the exact distance. I thought, like, oh, he's been planning this whole time that he wants to go back to Kong Island to, to try to make some more money or something um, because he's in such a tight pickle. But then that turned out not to be the case, and it, that would have been like, a more interesting direction in my opinion yeah it would be Um, a direction that would be something (laughs) because it's just like i don't get why he's gonna use all of his savings to help both him and the guy who got him in this fucking position in the first place and fucking flee felony laws and grand juries like felony charges and grand juries and then have this whole thing where he knows exactly to the mile how far they are from skull island and then poof Puff of smoke, yeah. nothing else happens. <laughs> so weird. Uh, but also back to Charlie. It's uh, very interesting how he's always holding his cook knife, like his, his butcher knife. I didn't notice that. He's, yeah, he's like always wielding it. Just... Even in the city when he's like in the trench coat and shit? Maybe not then, but like... Okay, but all, most of the time. Every other time you see him, he's like carrying it with him. Um, it's just... That is very funny, weird character trait. <laughs> yeah, totally. He's the Chinese cook. He's always got to have his cooking knife. Yeah. Um. Okay, I feel like we got to talk about denim, and I'm really not looking forward to it. <laughs> He's a brave, handsome dude. So the beginning of this movie is an interesting juxtaposition to the end of the first movie. Like, it really threw me off where I was like, oh okay, the whole thing at the end that I was frustrated with in the first one is that he faces no consequences and he doesn't seem to notice that shit's happening. And in this one, it was like they were trying to correct that, but they did such a weird... I don't even know what to say about it. Like, I think I brought it up last time that it feels like some people pointed out to them that like, hey, this character's kind of done a lot of shitty things and they, they're like did not realize it and they still like don't even fully see it but they're like well i guess other people see it that way so maybe we should try to address that it's like they they kind of the filmmakers seemed like half-hearted be like i guess we'll address the issues that that some people are upset with him but yeah they don't i think you're absolutely right because it's coming from such a position of privilege that they paint him as the victim yeah like like it's like Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know the proper thing to call you. It's my bad. Like, not recognizing all the damage they've done. Now they're the victim because they're getting called out. Yeah, Denim acts like it's such a nuisance that... Yeah. It's just such a fucking nuisance that all these people are trying to sue him. And uh, and the 
government wants to indict him. It's, yeah, so, it's like, like these people are coming into the room being like, I'm with the news. And he's like, oh, really? Don't you think I'm sorry for what I've done? Like, don't you think I already know about like and she's like, you're in trouble or something like that. And he's like, yeah, all the people that were killed, all the property owners, all the theater owners, like this whole list as like as a list of people coming after him. Or that he's in trouble for, but it's like, you just mentioned people that are dead, and yeah. as a capitalist, like, people's stuff that's gone, and you uh-huh. don't give a fuck. If that was your stuff, you'd be so bummed, but you don't give a fuck, you're just, you're like, I'm sorry, I, I did the wrong thing, but like, geez, do you think I should be in trouble for it? Why? It's Yeah, so well, weird. I mean, it's the same thing later when there's the, uh, the mutiny on the ship, and they're, and it's like, portrayed like these mutiny people are the bad guys, and you're like, they're mutiny because they were told that the last time a crew went to this island with Denham, they all fucking died. And now yep. they're just like, no, fuck you. We're not going to do that. And Denham's like, oh, come on. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited to dive into that part towards the end because that is that's the best part of this movie by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he says things like he OK, he's in an apartment. I don't know how he's paying for the apartment, but he's fine. He has a woman who presumably owns the apartment who's helping him out. He has the skipper who's willing to give him all of his savings to help him get out. He has Charlie who's running errands for him. And yet he's going like, Kong, I'm sure paying for what I've done to you. Kong's dead, motherfucker. And so are all of his victims. And you think you're paying? You're fine, dude. Your life is better than most people's lives right now. Like, yes, you have... The fear of all this stuff hanging over you, and I'm not trying to say, like, being a, like, having these grand jury indictments and all these process servers coming out after you doesn't suck, but, like, he's just painting himself as the victim so hard that it's, it's such a half-assed attempt at, yeah. re- at a redemption arc or something. And even when he's, like, oh, I'm gonna have to flee the country or whatever, he's, like, fleeing as basically the captain of a ship. Yeah. It's not like he's, like... On the... someone else's dime. Yeah. <laughs> He's still just like in this huge position of privilege where he's calling the shots and he's calling the orders and he's ready to like basically once again ask these men to die for him when he goes back to Skull Island. (laughs) Yeah. And like even like like he has a process server that he's like, oh, come on, this is the sixth one you've given to me or whatever. And then the process server is even helping him out. He's like, hey, a grand jury (laughs) is going to indict you, like giving him information. He's like, because you've helped me with my business so much. And he's like, ah, you so and so like. Everybody's... That was such a. I was just gonna say that was such a weird character. <laughs> yeah, I did not understand. Because they like, they like make him like he's gonna be like a character throughout the movie, like the kind of like attention they put on him and how. Yeah. It's, it, it, but like he's just gone after the first act. <laughs> and this movie is almost even. I know we we went back and forth a lot about the meaning and how much they were aware of in King Kong, but in this one. The meaning and the things that the writers were aware of is even more confusing to me somehow because it's like they're making him self-aware of his mistakes, but he's acting like a privileged asshole about them. It's in in a way that makes it seem like he's not self-aware, like like he doesn't get it. Or like basically what I'm trying to bring up is the line where he's saying the the natives will be happy to see us. And it's like, (laughs) no shit. We're all supposed to know that they won't, right? And, like, they aren't. Like, he gets there and they chase him off. But then he's still the hero in the end. Like, Kong saves him and he gets the girl and he's And the natives die. And they all die. Yeah. And I just don't... 
I think a lot of what I'm seeing is the pattern here. The skipper seeming to have some intriguing background and then it going nowhere. The process server, it going nowhere. The 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 ideas of, of this guy understanding the problems and it going nowhere and him still being the hero. It, it does feel like maybe most of it can be attributed to the Rush script and production. They maybe were trying for something and didn't have time to figure out how to tie up all the loose ends. I don't know. What do you think? No, I definitely agree that this really, really feels like a rushed production. It really feels like they were told you have to have it made by the end of the year. We have to be able to put it out. And they just were just like, all right, let's just fucking wing it. Um, it's so, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's so funny to me that back in the day it was like, okay, we have a movie. It was the biggest hit movie of all time. We're about to make a sequel that'll have name recognition. Everybody will want to see it, so we'll cut the budget in half. Like, it just seems so nowadays, because budgets for sequels of huge movies are bigger, because they're going to yeah. do better. It just seems so counterintuitive that that was the way for all the way until basically I was born. Like, yeah, what the no, fuck? There, that happened a lot of the time. Um, Every time. It's Why? It's... Every I don't time. I have no idea. <laughs> like how stupid are studio executives where they just like technically we'll make a bigger percentage of money if we spend none but have the same name. So we'll just do that. Not thinking about the fact that they'll actually make more money if they make a big movie. Uh, it's so weird. I just don't get it. It must have been a different cultural mentality around the idea of what a sequel was, you know? Yeah, I guess so. And I think I read or heard that uh one of the reasons why they wanted to rush it out so quick is because they were afraid, like, that the audiences would, like, forget about the original movie. So they just wanted to get the movie out there while it was still in people's heads. Yeah, that makes is... sense. Yeah, but it I makes don't sense. think people were that stupid. No, no, it makes sense from a stupid, out-of-touch executive of the 1930s yeah. viewpoint. It doesn't make sense as an actual <laughs> tactic. Okay. Denim is living in an apartment that is surrounded by people looking for him, right? And the way that he sneaks out is by walking out with a bucket on his head. <laughs> How would those people not be like, I wonder if that's the guy we've all been looking for? <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird... Because, like, you could see that happening in, like... A super kind of slapstick kind of movie. And yeah, just Three like, Stooges that, or some shit. Yeah, like that just kind of vibes with the tone. But that's not what this movie is. <laughs> like, So it just makes no sense. I mean, they did try. I do feel like that first scene, until he leaves there, the first scene is trying so hard at humor. And mm -hmm. it, it's just doing a terrible job. I can't even remember the humor, but like the back and forth between him and the woman whose apartment he's in and the news lady are all like quip, 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 like back and forths of like, I can't remember any of the lines, but it's very clearly trying to be humorous in ways that just didn't land anymore. And so like, it almost felt yeah. like the first part, including the bucket on the head was like, they were trying for a slapstick comedy. And then just like everything else in the movie, it just went up in the air and they just trudged along. Yeah. One hundred percent, I I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say except for yeah, it's just a bunch of failed shots of comedy, and they're just like, all yeah. right, whatever, let's keep going. So then, um, Denim goes to the island. He confesses to Kong Junior Kiko. 
he bandages his finger. He says he felt he, he owed his family something. They're clearly trying to show his remorse, but again, like, we've had no reason to buy that remorse, and then that remorse doesn't lead to anything. It's like, it, it basically feels like if a colonizer says they're sorry and then genocides an island, they get the girl. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, once again, I, I don't think these people really thought there was much wrong with Carl Denham as a character. And they're just like, yeah. all right, we'll just kind of address these things. Yeah. <laughs> But they never really understood that he was really pretty fucking monstrous. Even though he's, like, a charismatic, friendly guy in a personal-to-personal relationship, like... Yeah. His overall actions were monstrous, and they don't seem to really fully comprehend that. Yeah, it's like, I have to say they're more aware in this movie than in the first. Yeah. Obviously, in the beginning, we've talked about the thing with him, then him saying the natives will be happy to see us, and it's immediately shown he's wrong. Like, that's not a thing you and I are inferring of, like, how stupid he is. That's a clear juxtaposition they were drawing. Yeah. And then I also think there's one other moment where he's so excited that they found this treasure, and then it's it's uh, Lady Helene Hilda who says, we don't have a boat. Why are you excited about treasure? We can't even leave the island. Like, there's things like that peppered throughout that make you think, okay, a part of them was more self-aware as writers of this movie and directors than last time, but it doesn't amount to anything. It's just, it's like, he still wins out. (laughs) Yeah. It's so weird. He still gets those diamonds. He still gets on a boat. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone else dies. (laughs) All right. uh, Do you want to move on from Denim and talk about... uh, uh, well, I just want to add in one thing. Apparently, the actor Robert Armstrong preferred the Son of Kong to the first King Kong because he thought there was more character development for Carl, for his character, Carl Denham. Which, He's not uh, wrong. No, there is more character development, but that making it better than King Kong, I think he should get a, a dumb fuck award. So, I mean, I could see... It being more fun to act in the second one, but yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. LaBelle Helene. Moving on. Hilda. I mean, like I said before, I thought she was like the opposite of uh, Faye Ray. She seems to have more agency. Um, She's not spending all her time screaming. Yeah. She's she's the one that kind of initiates the romance with, uh, with Denim. She doesn't really seem to care that much about her father. That is a very big, weird thing in this. Yeah. Her father is beaten over the head and then burned alive. (laughs) And she never shows it. And Denim doesn't And then when when the tent's on fire, she goes in. And instead of immediately running to her dad, who's like in the middle of the fire, she frees the monkeys and the seals that are on the outskirts of the fire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she definitely goes for the animals first, which is very interesting. And her dad did suck. He wasn't great. Yeah. Um, When he's talking about meeting Hellstrom, and she's like, why are you meeting that guy? And he's like, he's a white man, somebody to talk to. And she's like, somebody to drink with. And he's like, shut up. So, like, <laughs> maybe I could see her being like, okay, the old man's dead. Thank God I can do my own thing. But it didn't feel like that was intentional. No. It just felt like they weren't giving it the time. I think it was process. just... I think it was just bad writing. Yeah. Like, they they could have played out that angle, and that would have made sense, but I think that, that they were not going for that. That's just is what we're reading into it. 
Totally. Yeah, and um, Denim does not help with that. He's like, no, your dad died? You got any money? Keep your chin up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She, they're, they're af- right after her dad dies, which she's not seemed that broken up about, She, they start talking. They first meet, and she's like, oh, I was a bad ballerina, and something else was bad. And he's just like, oh, keep your chin up, kid. You can't just talk about how everything's bad. It's like... You do know her father just died last night. Burned <laughs> to death in front of her while her house burned down. And yeah. then I also think like she very unstrategically goes after Hellstrom. She walks up to Hellstrom and she's basically like, oh, you're a murderer? Well, I'll tell on you in a few days when the magistrate comes. I don't have a house to hide in, by the way. Like, <laughs> you're just you're like you're a murderer i'm sure you won't kill me after i tell you that i'm gonna put you in prison while i just sit here like (laughs) such a bad call it just stressed me out so hard and then but it's like yeah like all the writing in this movie i'm like oh something must come of that that was a stupid idea he's clearly gonna go after her but nope it just dropped the thread and keep moving yeah her what do you think of her on the island uh I brought it up already that I just think it's hilarious how she's, like, completely unfazed by all these giant prehistoric creatures. Yeah. And she just kind of is completely unquestioning when Denim is, like, confessing. And she's like, I brought your dad to the city and and he died because of me. And she's just, like, saying, like, okay, okay. Yeah. (laughs) There's no reaction, nothing, not saying anything about it. But, I think s- sometimes she is the voice of reason on the island. I think that's a lot of No, she is the voice of reason. I just think that's hilarious how like, yeah. unfazed by absolutely everything she is. Yeah, like, I mean, I every com- character seems inconsistent in that with her. It's like she's the voice of reason, but her, her reactions are completely unreasonable and founded in nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, her pointing out, like, you do know that those diamonds aren't a boat. And, yeah. And... And her being like, "Hey, why don't we save that that baby Kong?" Yeah, uh, you know she's she's a good she's one of the better characters, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that I thought was I don't know one of the things that showed some foresight and that I liked about this movie just a, a sweet moment I guess was when she goes to sleep at the fire and Denim's watching over her and like Kong's kind of watching over her too for whatever reason. Her song that she sang in Decaying is played as an orchestral piece while she's sleeping. I thought that no, was really I didn't cool. notice. I didn't yeah, notice. Yeah, I didn't notice it till my second time and I was like, "Oh, that's okay. That's at least it's like a lay motif or some shit." Like it was actually like, "Okay, yeah. wow, you guys thought about this movie for more than 5 seconds while me." I thought that was neat. Uh, yeah, the composer of this movie, I believe is the same composer as the first movie, Max Steiner. Okay. Who would be like a huge composer at the time. I think he got gotcha. done on the wind and Lots of big stuff at the time. Gotcha. But, yeah, so that was probably his choice. How'd you feel about her uh, falling for denim? I mean, yeah, like, what? <laughs> and like, and we... more importantly, how'd you feel about the way she told him? You mean at the very the treasure end? three ways instead of four. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> She's like... <laughs> He's like, we're going to split the treasure four ways. It's like between what I'm assuming, if I remember correctly, him, Charlie, the skipper, and her, right? Yeah. And she's like, maybe we can split it three ways. 
<laughs> one one for Charlie, one for the skipper, and one for you and me. It's like, why do you? What does your love have to do with less money? Are you just devaluing yourself as a human because you're saying you want to be his property? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I I hate that more than anything else in this movie. I think. I honestly did not even pick up on that. That that like she's basically saying like let's have yeah. I mean. Let's get married so Let's, I'm just yours. So you yeah. then I don't get a I don't get a share. It's, it's just <laughs> among the men. Terrible. I yeah, I did not pick up on that at all. That's very uh very funny very it's, problematic it's horrible it's like and it's the music and everything it shows it's supposed to be this romantic thing he's like oh my god you want to be fucking financially tied to me huh oh yeah like what the fuck dude yeah well 1933 but like just be smart about it like still keep your 50 percent still keep I'm each 25 percent like just... what why what are you talking about like it's like well if they find out that we get married then obviously they'll be pissed that i kept <laughs> my share because once i'm married to you i don't i'm not a human anymore which is like okay maybe it's true maybe this isn't her maybe i don't know maybe that's just like the fucking smart thing to do so nobody comes after her but like it just all sucks it just sucks yeah, but I um you're asking me about like what I think about their her falling for him and stuff. She seems to fall for him like immediately when they meet, basically. And there's no real she seems to start showing interest and then she wants to like go along with him and she stows away on the boat. It's like why? He's in our last episode I said I didn't think Jack was that handsome and you disagreed with me, but Carl Denham is definitely less handsome than Jack. Um, and she seems to be immediately stricken with him. Um, and I, once again, I'm just like, why? I like mean, he's, he's kind of nice to you when you're like in your moment of grief or whatever, but A, you don't seem to be in that much grief and B, he doesn't really seem to care that much that you're in grief. Like, okay, look, I don't know that much about her life, but from what I see, she lives in a tent with four monkeys, two sea lions, her ugliest fuck dad. Dream. Not that part. Her ugly. I'm saying fuck- living in a tent with a with some monkeys and some sea lions. That sounds like the fucking dream to me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But her ugliest fuck dad, his ugliest fuck friend, who's creepy, Hellstrom, and then a bunch of people who come to watch her play guitar every night and just stare at her with dead eyes. Right. <laughs> in that context, maybe Denim looks pretty goddamn good. I guess that's a good point. Yeah, and he's got the best mid Atlantic accent of them all. So. That's true. Swoon. No, I agree. I Their romance is out of nowhere. It's shoehorned in. It is a pathetic attempt to put a nice bow on a movie that has no ribbons to tie together. And it is just stupid and unnecessary. And no one's like, oh, finally. Or thank God. Like, it's just there. Because yeah. a, an island sunk and everyone died and the main <laughs> characters lost all their stuff and they needed a happy ending because it's a comedy. And so a comedy is supposed to have a marriage at the end because this is the fucking 1500s and it's Shakespeare times. Like, that's the only way I can fucking <laughs> wrap my head around it. Makes sense. <sighs> okay, Hellstrom. He's kind of a dick. He's definitely a dick. I mean, it's 
we're introduced to him as a dick because Helene's dad says, you just burned your ship for the insurance money. Yeah. Which I'm like fucking based. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you got away with it, fuck yeah, why not? Yeah. But. Hell yeah. But everything else about him sucks. Um, he's a backstabbing coward. Mm-hmm. His death is a chef's kiss. I love it. Yeah, I yes, don't know. That's great. I don't know why he doesn't even try to drag Helene's dad out of the tent. Like I was wondering that too. I guess because he hit him over the head, so now he feel like maybe, you know, even if he drags him out of the tent, he could be in trouble. So he's a real fucking dick. Yeah. Totally. That that's that's what all I could think because I thought the same thing the last time I watched. It. I was like, wait, why isn't he dragging him? I'm like, I guess because he's just scared of. Yeah. Because he hit him over the head. Um, I think it's really funny, and again, we'll get to the scene this leads to later. But it's very funny how obvious he is about trying to become the new captain once he gets on the mm-hmm. ship. Like right off the bat, he's just yeah. like, "Hey, these <laughs> these uh, captains—they're pretty bad, right? Uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah, uh, you're you're pretty good, and I'm pretty good, and these bees are bad. Like it's there's just no subtlety to this motherfucker. Like he's not conniving. I don't. It's it's and it's interesting that he like is the guy who originally apparently gave the map to Denim that's, like, led to this discovery, but then he's just, like, everything else about him is just bullshit and parlor tricks and and nothing. (laughs) Like, why did he have this map? Why did he just give it away and then he has nothing? I don't know. It's just fucking weird. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, he's such a fucking snake. Like, you would think that maybe that he would have gone to the island in the first place instead of, like, selling instead of giving that that map off and... I don't know, yeah, the only thing I weird. can think of is that he used to be, like, maybe he used to be a prominent, respected captain, and then he fell on hard times, and so now he's like this? Yeah, I think we're putting more thought into it than any of the filmmakers did, though, so... That's our job, bro. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I guess we touched on Mickey. It's not really anything to say about him, except for he's just such a weird character and how they kind of like make it seem like he's going to be yeah we, we already said that never mind is mickey the process server yeah okay yeah that was just like strange. here's this comedic character and then he's only in two scenes and yeah i don't know yeah that was weird i also thought it was funny how they're like oh let's go back to the island for the treasure but like we touched upon in our first episode you don't need to go back for the treasure. You can just go back for those dinosaur carcasses yeah. where you know exactly where they are. Yeah. And you can just grab those and that will that will catch you a nice penny. That would 100% do it. Yeah. That, I mean, maybe they've learned their lesson. Devil's Advocate or something. They they're, They know that it's a bad idea to bring... Even if they don't know that it's a morally or ethically bad idea... They know that they might just face a bunch of repercussions if they do. But yeah, they're <laughs> clearly no one making this movie thought that hard about it. And mm-hmm. the fact that like, like you could have easily had some kind of storyline where it's like, we're going back for the treasure. Oh, we didn't get any treasure. But of course we realize that such and such thing that we found here is worth a lot because it's prehistoric and wild. But instead they're just like, oh, a wall broke. There is treasure. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah i also loved how they like they land immediately 
in the area where the treasure is. Like, there's no searching for it. They're just like, oh, hey, look at this. This looks like a temple. I bet the treasure's in here. Yeah. Hey, hey the treasure's in here. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Which is so weird because in the first movie, I didn't think of this till now, they were like, oh, the only part of the island you can land on is this low peninsula. The rest is all mm. high cliffs. Good point. So they already went to the only landing spot. <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't have had to fight through the villagers through the, the, the wall. And then we're, what? I don't know. Good point. I didn't think about that. Okay, should we move on to the most important part of the film? <laughs> yes. So, I don't even know how to introduce this. It's just by far the best part of the film, and it's like five minutes. A character named Red. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> His name is Red. <laughs> who's Who's Red? The head of the crew. Okay, so not obviously not Denim, but the, the, the guy who speaks out against Denim. Right, the head of the mutiny. Uh, we see him That's earlier amazing. in the film. Yeah, we see him earlier in the film, and the uh, the skipper is like, "Oh, go unload this cargo." And he's like, "Whoa, that is going to take a long time," or something like that. And then uh, the the skipper goes says something like, "I'd get rid of this troublemaker if I weren't wasn't shorthanded." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, his name is Red. <laughs> That's amazing. So then, <laughs> so first there's that hint, and then. And then all the crew is walking together, and I think it's Denim says, We must be in Russia. Looks like a party of the workers. Yes. <laughs> Which is interesting, because this is 1933, so Russia has now been the USSR for over a decade. Interesting that they called it that. But I don't know, like, what the normal parlance was. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what they referred yeah. to it as at the yeah. time. We should probably, just as an aside, I think... We've alluded to it before, but I believe both Cooper and Shozak fought for the uh, Polish military in the um, Polish-Russian War of the 20s. I think there's even actually like a, a segment of the Polish Air Force that's like named for Cooper um, because they were at least Cooper was very anti-communist. I, yes. I assume Shozak would be as well because I don't know why else you'd be fighting there um fighting with Poland if you weren't yeah yeah that's intense i mean it's it's very interesting cuz watching this movie without that context the the crew just seems like the smart good people but it's very yeah. clear that that's not what's happening <laughs> yeah it's weird because it's like they're they're very much setting it up as like oh this dirty crew look at these mutinous bastards but, like, the reason that they're staging a mutiny is because they're told that the last time a crew went to Skull Island, they all died. <laughs> like, and it's true. Like, it's 100% justified to be yeah. like, no, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but And they, they take it beyond that, right? They say what you said earlier on, like, you pay us dirty money, you think you own us, you sweat and drive us and don't pay us a li living wage, you think you own us body and soul. And then they say, like, we got the ship and we're going to keep it, which is just like, literally, we are taking control of the means of production. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty awesome. And then they're, they're like, row, you blasted bourgeois. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is so sick because i was already thinking like wow this is pretty uh communist and then boom they say that and then hellstrom uh, tries to take over yeah but what hellstrom does not realize is that red's motto is no gods no captains <laughs> and so hellstrom gets the boot 
Yeah, Hellstrom's like, uh, my first act as captain is to promote you. And Red's like, you think we got rid of a good captain so we could have a bad one? We're through with captains on this ship. He wants to be a boss? Send him with the bosses. Captains belong over the ship and they throw him <laughs> over the edge. Like, the most amazing, like, it's not even... <laughs> <laughs> it almost doesn't even feel communist. It almost feels anarchist to me. It's just like all leaders go in the fucking ocean. Like fucking rules. Um, it's so good. Uh, that part of the movie is so good, and it's just it feels out of nowhere. Like you're watching this movie, and it's just trudging along. Like what the fuck? And then you're just like, this is so amazing. And then <laughs> yeah. it's just gone. And like I want yeah. so bad a spinoff that just follows the crew. And like, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to hate them. We're supposed to be like, oh, what are they doing to Carl, to Carl Dunham, those bastards? It's like, no, they, they're right. They are the ones in the right. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, not even, like, it's so direct and the circumstances are such that I feel like whether you're a communist or you're an anarchist or even you're, like, a fucking democratic socialist, you're going to side with them. Like, they're not yeah. saying anything that's, like, very sp- – it's just like, oh, yeah, you all want us to die for nothing. Goodbye. We're so gonna that, have a, so a that horizontal... you can profit. So that you want to be able to take profits and you're willing to ex- just give up our lives in order to take that fucking profit. It's so – yeah. In such a direct manner, just like, oh, yeah, we want you to chase after these animals or whatever. Like, yeah, you want us to go on this fucking island with dinosaurs so that you can get your treasure. Take, like, the abstract analysis of, like, obviously, as a worker on that ship, you are being exploited simply by the fact that if your value and your work was being valued at its true value, then you would be partial owner of the ship. It's not even that. It's just like, they're trying to kill you. (laughs) It's like so obvious. (laughs) Um, And I feel like the fact that the Chinese cook is like, me no want to go with these guys and joins with the capitalists is must be trying to say something, but I did not look enough into the history of, communism in china during the 30s to know what they might be trying to say but it was very strange to me that the now what's the largest capitalist superpower who says they're communist because they believe that capitalism inevitably leads to socialism which leads to communism blah 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 that that the character who embodies that stereotype of that country is like fuck the commies it's very weird you're gonna get some uh tankies mad that you're saying china isn't communist Godzilla destroys so many tanks that the tankies aren't going to like this shit anyway. Feel free to fucking email me your complaints, tankies. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a weird choice, right? Having the Chinese cook just be like, I'm not going with the communists. Fuck that. I mean, I think you're putting more thought. Yes. Too much thought. And I think they're just like, we got to have our, our beloved comedic uh, caricature go along with the crew. I think that was basically all it was. Um, Probably right. But yes, I get what you're saying, that we're supposed to associate Chinese people with communism. I guess. I don't know at the time. I don't know. I, like, honestly don't. Any other political stuff besides that base fucking scene that jumps out at you? Um... Also, real quick, once you and I get a huge following of loyal lefty listeners who decide to... The, who beg us to start a Patreon and we make bank, we whoa, should whoa. make a spinoff where we get to see what happens to those workers. 
Sounds good. I was just going to, I just want to interject and say, you say once, this is our second episode. So we already have a large base of leftist supporters. True, 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 true. I don't know what else politically. I mean, the monkeys kind of stays their own kind of a mutiny by running away from their show and their keeper. So you know, props out to their little to their little revolution. And that's true. And also refusing to play happy-go-lucky music and playing dark, miserable shit to really express themselves <laughs> while enslaved. That was pretty fucking awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> um, One line in the in the movie that, to me, reminded me a bit of the line in the first one that was like... In the first one, there was that line of, like, uh, all these all these torches, it's like the night before election. Um, <laughs> in this one, the line that reminded me of that was early on the news... The, the woman from the news, she's like, I'm from the news. And the, like, landlady are fighting. And Denim's like, ladies, no riots, please. Yeah. And I just wondered, like, that you're referencing something. Riots and torches must be fucking a big part of the culture that we don't hear about that much now for those to be just, like, zingers. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, women's rights movements, if there was any kind of, like, big commotion type thing that happened at the time. Probably not. I- I don't know what years, but I know the suffragettes in general were smashing windows, destroying equipment, burning down buildings. Like, they fucking yeah. did all that shit for the vote. But I, God, I can't remember exact years right now. Exactly. But ladies, no riots, please. You're right. It's probably, if anything, it's probably around that. Yeah. Whoa. But it again, probably, we're probably thinking harder. We're probably it. reading too much into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the only other thing that I was going to feel like with politics and messaging, I guess two things. One is the natives. Like, it's such a trip that we're both shown that Denim's view of the natives, like, that the indigenous people would be happy to see him again, was very clearly shown in the film to be bullshit. But then they just kill them all with no fanfare or mention in the movie. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, that happened. (laughs) This entire island is just drowned and, yeah presumably and the an only entire survivors culture. yeah are these uh, four, three people <laughs> who four caused people. Yeah. it <laughs> yeah. uh. well actually that's the one thing i want to get on did they cause it like i don't know if it's supposed to be they remove these diamonds that some kind of evil from this temple and that's supposed to be some kind of thing that causes the earthquake or if it's just supposed to be a coincidental huge earthquake at the time. They don't really tell us either way what it's supposed to be. You're right. So I don't know if it's their fault or if it's just coincidence. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> Why do you think Kong saves Denim? I mean, Is it because he bandaged his finger? <laughs> I think it's that combined with being saved from the quicksand and he's just... He doesn't have a daddy anymore, and now he's like, this is my new daddy. I'm going to pre- protect my new daddy. Fair enough. Oh, well, speaking of no fanfare, do you have any concluding thoughts about Son of Kong? Um, movie kind of sucks. Son of Kong kind of sucks. King Kong. Next time, wear a condom. Um, <laughs> a condom. <laughs> a condom. I really want to know where Queen Kong is. Let's, uh... 
But she's dead. They're all dead now. They all drowned. It's it's all dead. <laughs> it's that so- actually... Willis O'Brien wanted to make a third movie, King Kong versus Frankenstein. So I kind of wonder what the origins of that King Kong would have been. Would they just have kind of retconned it all? Or I wonder if he had something kind of more planned. That's what eventually got morphed into the Toho Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. But, and then Frankenstein joined that universe in a weird turn of events. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, like, back then, like, I was actually extremely surprised by the continuity of this movie compared to the last. Because I do feel like that wasn't that much of a thing for decades and decades even after this, where they, they were just like, people see the movie once, they don't own a fucking VHS of it, they're not going to remember, we could do whatever we want for the second one, it doesn't matter. And this one, I was surprised by how much it went straight into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. But like, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how they would have done it. It's interesting. But yeah, in overall, I felt like most of this movie, I was waiting for them to get to the island, and then once they got to the island, I was like, this is almost worse than before they were at the island. Like, there's just <laughs> no weight to it. There's no stakes. Like, yeah, it's all just, it's all presented as like kind of just like a silly adventure i guess yeah it's like a pop-up book like here's one animal here's another like oh we're in this place where there's giant beasts we'll just start a fire and go to sleep like there's no surviving or 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 being afraid or yeah and and they're just looking for treasure that we don't think exists so we don't even care about what they're trying to do but then it turns out that the treasure does exist and it happens to be exactly where they just randomly are yeah it's such a like poorly written plot yeah well yeah okay rating it i rated the 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 first movie first so you got to rate this one first what do you give it on our king kong specific scale all right well first of all i want to say i listened to the first episode and apparently you edited me into saying that I rated King Kong a Donkey Kong with two Diddy Kong poppers and a box of... What are you looking at me for? That's a weird look you're giving me. And a box of uh, Junior Mints, I think. But actually what I rated it as was a giant fucking ape. And he gets to keep the two Diddy Kong poppers because he looks really cute with them. But I'm going to take back the Junior Mints. Okay, wait. So that is not true that I edited it to say that. So you're changing your you're changing your rating on the first one. That's what I said when we first recorded it. Okay. Look, I was drunk, and I just want to know you, the truth. I just want to know you what's felt happening. like you could just edit things and what? change what I said. It's not what happened. It's the only thing you gave me, and you haven't <laughs> listened to the first one yet. Okay. So you're you're saying for the first one you're giving it a giant fucking ape. I yeah, I'm changing my mind with the two Diddy Kong pop peanut poppers. Okay. Um uh no junior mints. Uh got it. For this one, I think I'm gonna say can't peel banana because maybe just kind of it's just lame. It just it doesn't really deliver anything when it tries to deliver, it doesn't succeed on. There's some cool animation and effects, but it just pales in comparison to what came beforehand. And it's kind of a lame movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, like I said before, King Kong, wear a condom. You know, get an operation done, and then you don't have to wear a condom. Uh, just, uh, you, you, Son of Kong, you can have the junior mints that I took from your father, so 
launch on those. And uh, yeah, that's it. What's your rating? I'm the same. I'm a can't peel banana. It's not quite so bad. I'd call it an incel ape. I don't know if anything in the series will get there. There's some that I'm guessing might, but it's it's not like it doesn't horrify me and piss me off in the way an incel ape in real life would. But this movie cannot peel a banana. No. It is it is frustrating. Uh, and one thing that raises it above the lowest rating is the five minute scene of the worker uprising. Love to watch it. Yeah. Would watch it again for that. Did watch it again for that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my rating. Even though this uh, little Kiko Potkin, far closer to being able to peel a banana than his father. So it's ironic, isn't it? Is it not? I mean, his hands are smaller, so that probably makes it easier. That's what I'm saying. Um, cool. So we are no no gods, no monsters. Uh, our Twitter is at NoGodsPod. Uh, hit us up there. Our DMs are open. And um, we don't have any music to play you out with because no one that we respect of any kind would ever write a song about Son of Kong. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to go... Uh put this uh delete this file i i created earlier for my music project because that was harsh sorry um i want to throw out a recommendation if you like the uh animation and the practical effects of these two movies i would say a cool movie to check out would be journey to the beginning of time by i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name but carl zeman zeman uh, he was a Czech animator, director. Uh, this movie's from 1955. It's about a bunch of kids who travel back to the beginning of time, and they just like adventure around and see all these prehistoric animals that are animated in the same fashion. And you know, you see dinosaurs fighting, and it's just more of the. If you really dig these effects, it will be right up your alley. And yep, this has been the. Uh, rabbit's recommendation corner all right back to you rabbit thank you american podcaster and um i hope you'll join us next time when we talk about the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms Ooh. is this spooky i haven't watched it yet that's some no, spooky it's, noises it's not really spooky okay <laughs> all right and that's a wrap <laughs>